Let's get in our Bibles. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 16. Let's talk about Jesus, our great Redeemer. Hallelujah. John chapter 3, verse 16. We know this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And then it says this, that whosoever, this is for everyone, whosoever believeth in him. Now this, this word believeth in the Greek language literally means whosoever has faith in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't it good news to know we as children of God, we possess the Zoe everlasting life of God. Our life doesn't end with this short season on the earth, right? Death for a Christian doesn't mean that we cease to exist. It just means separation. It means our spirit separates from this body and we keep going on. In verse 17, it says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. you got to know that about God. If you've ever, you know, maybe none of you have ever done this, but if you, I know I have. If you've ever really messed up, right? Just smile, look ahead, nobody will ever think that could possibly be you, right? The enemy will always try to convince you that God will condemn you. But God doesn't condemn anyone, right? He, God, God the Father did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So as we look at Jesus, Jesus did not come out of humanity. I was born out of humanity. But I was born again into humanity. Jesus was born into humanity. His father was not Joseph, it was God the Father, right? So we gotta, we gotta see this. The first thing you have to see is that Jesus' life did not begin when he was born. In John 1, 1, it says, what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always existed. Isn't that good news? In verse 14, it goes on to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So now we know, oh, that's talking about Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace and full of truth. Not only did he exist before he was born, not only did he come into humanity, but he is the creator of the universe. The Bible is very clear. God the Father comes up with the plan. Jesus is always the one that carries out the plan. The Holy Spirit is always the one that reveals the plan. If you understand this about the Trinity, it will open up the Word of God and help you rightly divide the Word of God. So in John 1, 3, it says all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, for by him 
were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Wow. The next thing you want to realize about Jesus is he is the incarnate word of God. So he came into the world as the incarnate word of God. That word incarnate means that he's the word of God that was clothed in flesh. So he took upon himself a human form, a flesh and body, flesh, flesh and bone like us. He had to so that he could be that innocent sin sacrifice. So that, you know, when you look at that baby laying in a manger, if you study these things and look at Micah and all of these and the history of everything, these shepherds, they were priests. They were in charge of these lambs to, to raise them that they would become sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. They had to be spotless so like a baby lamb, they would literally wrap them in swaddling clothing. So when you saw Jesus years and years, 2,000 years ago, lying in a manger, he was truly, he's just like these other little lambs, except he was a man or a baby, right? Had a human flesh, but he's the lamb of God. So, so he is the lamb, but he is the word made flesh. In Matthew 1, verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now, in the King James Version, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. But in the Greek language, it would read, Behold, the virgin, the only one, will be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And as you study the word Emmanuel, it means not only God with us, but God with us in a new way. If you'll notice Jesus on the planet, he would, he would, he would not say, when, when he would tell him how to pray, when he would talk about his father, he, it wasn't God Almighty. It, this was all new to them. He's like, he's your father. Intimate fellowship. God with us in a new way. Oh, there were temples in the Old Testament. There was the tabernacle uh, in the wilderness. There's temples, you know, where God's presence, the Shekinah glory of God, would literally dwell. But God's design was always that we would be the temple. So now, God with us. Jesus made a way. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us in a new way. He dwells in me. See, God is with you. You'll never be alone. And he makes it real clear in the word, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll never fail you, his power will never wane in your life if you will allow him to work. Because he can't violate your will. But boy, he's there for you says things like, the minute you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So we draw near to God constantly with a heart of full assurance of faith. Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, verse 14, 
800 years before Jesus showed up, Isaiah prophesied this. He said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. He says, behold. I love both in the Greek language and in the Hebrew language, God says, behold. He's like, okay, give me your attention. You have to see this. Behold, a virgin. It's the Greek word, or it's the Hebrew word, halma. It means the virgin, the only one. No one was ever, no human being was ever born in the flesh the way Jesus was. Right? And then he, as the Lamb of God, was crucified and died for mankind, he took your place. All of mankind's sin was condemned in his body. All the weight and judgment of all the sickness and disease of all the result of the curse of the law, the fall of man, was, was literally placed on the body of Jesus. All of it. All the spirit of poverty and lack that came as a result of sin and the curse of the law was put on Jesus on that cross. He redeemed you in every way. And then he died. And when he gave up the ghost, what did he say? He said, it is finished. And so he comes out of the grave, and what happens now? He says, guys, all authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me. This is a new day. The minute he came out of the grave was the birth of the church age. The Bible says he's the first begotten. So now, as we as Christians, those of us, see, coming to a church doesn't make you a child of God. Any more than sitting in your garage makes you an automobile, right? Amen. So you must be born again. You can't join the church. Now, you could join a local church family, but you have to be born into the church. So we're born again. He's the first begotten. I don't know what number I am, but I am a child of God, and so are you. And you have privileges, rights, privileges, authority. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us in a new way. John chapter, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1 in verse 21 says this. And she, talking about Mary, shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Isn't that awesome? He didn't come, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. We go on in, in the Gospel of John, in verse 18, we start to see another reason why he came. It, it, it widens. He came to save you. Well, what if you look at John 17, 3, you find out what salvation is. Salvation is knowing the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. So salvation is knowing God. So in other words, Jesus came not only to declare the Father, to show us who the Father is, so that we can know God, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. 
So he did all of this. In John 1.18, it says this, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That means, that word declare means Jesus drew God, the invisible God, out of the shadows and showed him to the earth. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life every moment of every day of your life. To bring deeper revelation and more so that you can know God. God did everything. God the Father's plan. He had a plan so that man could be born again. So that the old spirit man that is dead and separated from him, that, is, that, that literally died spiritually, is removed out of a man when he accepts Christ. And a brand new spirit is put in him. 2 Corinthians 5 defines all this. And then the Holy Spirit of God comes and takes permanent, eternal residency in your spirit. And then, according to Romans, chapter 5, verse 5, what happens now? He sheds the agape, unconditional love that God has. He sheds it abroad in your heart. He saturates your spirit with his love. And, and every day and every moment of your life as a Christian, if you'll allow it, he will bring a revelation of how much he loves you. And that's what fuels your faith. That's what causes you to trust him. In other words, God did everything so that you and I could know him. So this is what we're talking about. This is not just a, a nice little day with a Christmas tree and giving gifts no, 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 it represents a change in humanity forever. God invaded the earth. Amen. Colossians 1.15, talking about Jesus, it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus came to draw the Father out of the shadows and show him to man. Philip came to him and says, Jesus, show us the Father and it'll be sufficient for us. And Jesus says, Philip, have you been with me for so long? And you're asking me to show you the Father? And then he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Think about that statement. In other words, Jesus is the visible form of the invisible God. He showed us who the Father was. Why? So that we could know him. God's not mad at you today. Now, God might not be pleased with you if you're living in a manner where he can't get anything over to you. You're walking on your own and everything. But that choice is yours. But as far as love... As far as being mad or angry or upset, no, 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 no. He loves you. Yeah. What, what would he have to be mad at you about? He condemned all of your sin in the body of Jesus. So the only reason why he would be displeased is because he'd see you going through a bunch of death. Yeah. And he can't do anything even though he's provided it all. He can't get it over to you. But as far as being mad at you for it, no. Do you know how few of the body of Christ know that? 
And you think, well, no, pastor, you say this all the time. We know it. Really? Come on. So, so see, if you know it, man, you're going to see it on your face. You know when you say something wrong or do something that doesn't line up with the word of God, you don't run from God, you run to him. But here's the biggest thing. As you're walking by faith, you never have your eyes on you in relation to receiving anything from God because when you know that he's your redeemer, you make it all about him, not about you. Right? I'm telling you, this revelation will lead you into a level of faith, of the faith of God, that will change everything in your life. It's what it's designed for. Galatians chapter 4, in verses 4 through 7, and I notice I'm flowing a little bit today, so if you're taking notes, you, you can just write down these scriptural references. But in Galatians chapter 4, in verse 4 through 7, it says this, but talking about this day, it says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. He sent him, why? Verse five, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth or sent for the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See, because I'm a child of God, now he's not just the creator of all things. He's not just the almighty God. Oh, I reverence and honor and respect him above everything, but he's also my daddy. And, and, and that spirit of God on the inside of me causes me to just be able to feel like, man, I could tell him anything. I could just, I could come into his presence with no sense of guilt or inferiority as if sin never existed because it doesn't exist in my life anymore. See, that's grace. So it says to redeem them that were under the law. Notice that were under the law. You are not under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Isn't that awesome? Jump down to verse 7. It says, wherefore, you are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. You're no more a servant. If you look at aerial view of the New Testament, every time it calls you and I a servant, it's always in relationship to us doing ministry to other people. But anytime it talks about you and God, you're always a child. You're always a son of God. And if you're a son, you're an heir. You're an heir of God through the anointed one and his anointing. All of this inheritance will come through Christ, through the anointing. Isn't that good news? Romans chapter 8 and verse 17 says it this way, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, or with Christ. Wow. 
Isn't that amazing? So now if we jump back to Matthew in chapter 20, verse 28, it says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but why did he come? But to serve. That means literally to wait upon. And to give his life a ransom for many. This word ransom in the Greek language means an atonement. It means to release from slavery and captivity because a payment is made. He's the ransom. He gave his life so that you and I would be forever released from bondage, slavery, spiritual death, the result of the curse of the law, all of it. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the, the last part of this verse, it says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or shown forth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This Greek word destroy, it literally means to loose, to release, to put an end to, to remove what? So you mean the works of Satan has been removed from your life and my life? Yes. Thank you, Pastor. It was put an end to 2,000 years ago. Now you might be sitting here going, so what the heck? Hello. What's going on in my life then? He's operating as an outlaw. He has no legal right to do what he's doing. And it's about time we stand up in the authority that Jesus gave us and say no more instead of trying to be like an Old Testament believer over here like a servant going, oh God, please, please free me. He doesn't even hear that because he said, I did. Right? We're going to see something today. Moses is a type of Jesus, or a, I'm sorry, a type of a New Testament believer. You're going to see something, and I, I want to get to Ephesians 1.3. Because we have to understand how this works. You are a child of God. You've been given the authority of the name of Jesus. Stop begging God to get Satan out of your life. He doesn't even hear that. He can't get Satan out of your life. Because he already did. There's nothing else that he can do. Now, in order for Satan to stop operating as an outlaw illegally against you, you, in the authority as a child of God, have to stand up and say, I'm not, do, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Amen. Sickness and disease, you got to get out of my body. Poverty and lack, you got to get out of my life. Right? This is Christmas. This is God's gift to us. Isn't that awesome? He was born... This, this, this Greek word destroy, it literally means to put off, to unbind, to release from being bound, to untie, to loosen any person tied. It literally means the hold that Satan had on man was dissolved. I love this part of this word destroy, to loosen any person tied. You and I are the body of Christ. Oh, God wants you to walk in your freedom so that you can be his body 
and go into the earth and loose others. This is huge. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says it this way. But you are a chosen generation. This is us. A royal priesthood. This means a kingly priesthood. You, the church, we are a holy nation. And we are, I love this, a peculiar people. Now we're, you know, we're part of this charismatic church. Sometimes people think peculiar means weird. Right? You know the Holy Spirit's not weird? Some people have said they're flowing with the Holy Ghost and doing some crazy stuff. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's weird, right? But this word peculiar means purchased. You and I, I'm a purchased person. Satan, you get your hands off me. I'm purchased. I'm not under your delegated influence. I'm in the kingdom of God. You leave. I believe every word God said. I'm fully persuaded, and I refuse to take any less than what he's provided for me in his son. This word also means a preserved people. As I meditate in the word day and night, I'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water, and my leaf will not wither. Oh, I might age on this planet. Oh, no problem. The cool thing about age is, man, you're getting closer to going home, to being with him, but I'm never going to be weak. It's always going to be fresh. I'm going to be more excited at 80 than I am at 57. Right? Every day of my life is fresh. My leaf doesn't wither. Why? I'm excited because my joy is full because he's moving in my life all the time. I believe him. This word also means a protected person. You and I are protected. By who? The angel of God encamps round about me. Because I reverence and honor and respect God. Man, if you saw the angels that are in this place right now, whew, you would not want to mess with any of them. Those little demons again that, that are assigned against your life wouldn't want to mess with any of them. Right? What did the first thing? You know when a demon comes into somebody or comes into their life? The first thing they say is not fear not. They try to yell and scream because they're trying to be something that they really know they're not. They're trying to come and bully you, and here you are, a child of God. When an angel comes in the presence of somebody, what does he always say? Oh, I know I'm pretty intense looking. Fear not, right? I'm not here to, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you, right? It's good news. This, this word also means a maintained people. You know who maintains you and I is God. A cared for people. He cares for us. Isn't that good news? An upheld people. A sustained people. Why? Because I'm purchased, preserved, protected, maintained, cared for, upheld, and sustained. Because of that, now that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, when you know who you are in Christ, when you know what that baby in a manger represent, that's the lamb of God that took, so, took away all the sin in the world, but he's not a lamb anymore. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. 
And he is your Lord. And he's your redeemer. And he's your friend. And he's your healer. And he's your provider. And he's good all the time. Never forget that. So I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 3. I want to talk about this verse. The sentence structure in the Greek language reveals to us in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 that literally verses 3 through verse 14 would be one sentence. You talk about a run-on sentence, Paul, or I shouldn't say Paul, he penned it, but the Holy Spirit, wow. Sometimes I'll write something and it's like a run-on thing, and I'm like, yep, you know what? I guess I'm just like God. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long sentence. I don't think we have to, any time, I mean, unless you want to stay here all day, we could talk about those first, you know, I think with the men, we went through the book of Ephesians, it took me weeks and weeks and weeks. But this, this, one, this one sentence, in this one sentence from verses 3 through verse 14, Paul makes seven specific points about who we are and what we have in Christ. It is powerful. So you got to break it down to know what the Holy Spirit is saying belongs to us. Not going to belong to us. Belongs to us right now. As you're sitting here today. Man, I'll tell you, Christmas represents freedom. It represents in your life I don't care what your situation is, it is not too late. That every situation, no matter how much it might be screaming, has to change and come in line with the Word of God because we're just going to start with verse 3. Now, it says this. Let me read it. Ephesians 1.3. It says it starts out, Blessed. In the Greek language, that means empowered to prosper and succeed. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, God, our Father, is blessed. Right? Who has blessed us? Notice, God will never give you something that he doesn't possess. He will never ask you to go give something that you don't possess, right? All life, all ministry will flow out of the overflow of your personal walk with God. He deposits in you. We, we see this with Jesus. When Jesus, he called his disciples to himself, and then he sent them out, right? You gotta, the, the first thing that's going to happen in the call of God in your life is you're going to have a sense of intimacy. He's going to call you to himself. Because if you don't know him, you're never going to be able to fulfill your ministry. You're never going to be able to. Then what happens is that sense, that sense of intimacy never goes away. But on top of that, there will come a deep sense of sovereignty to where you know this call that God has on my life I can't, I didn't choose it, 
and I can't ever quit. It's who I am. And that'll see you through. Whatever God has you put your hand to, man, all hell will try to talk you out of it. But hell can't because it's been stripped. But then, in addition to the intimacy and sovereignty, as you're walking with God, there will, be, there will be a sense, and it'll never leave you. It'll just, all these will just continue to grow. There's a sense of destiny. There is a purpose and a destiny that God has very specific for your life. Take no less than what God has for you. Who that'll preach on Christmas, won't it? Who has blessed us, it says this, who has blessed us with all, not some, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, this, this, work, this word heavenly in the Greek would be translated in the heavenlies. This is talking about the spirit realm. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the spirit realm. I already possess them. They're mine. Right? It says places, but if you'll notice, if you read a King James Version Bible, the word places is in italics because it's not in the original manuscripts. If you ever see an italicized word, it means the, the translators added it to bring clarity to the text, in their opinion. But it would read, who hath blessed us, hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. This verse is not just talking about the blessing of Abraham. Another thing about these blessings is you must exercise your right in order to walk in them. They don't happen automatically. None of the blessings of God happen automatically. Salvation does not happen automatically. Well, I'm saved, I believe in Jesus. Well, no, 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 no. The demons believe in Jesus, but they don't act on that belief, so they're not saved. You not only have to believe in your heart, you got to confess with your mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord. You have to act on it. Faith without corresponding action is dead. The whole word of God is voice activated. Right? You, have you ever seen one of those, they, they had those clapper lamps, you know, you could clap your hands and it turns on? When you speak the word of God, the presence and power of God come on the scene to change things. You have to exercise your right to walk in them. In Galatians... Just hold your finger here, or actually just stay there, and I'm going to read Galatians 3.13 to you. It says, Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. We know that if you study the curse in Deuteronomy 28, it's literally the curse of spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. Three main categories. He's redeemed us. We've been bought out of that stuff. How he did it, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. God redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse 
Why, verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, we've been separated from the curse and separated to the blessing. In other words, God did something in us so that he could put something on us. Okay? What, what we're trying to define is we have to rightly divide. What does this mean for me to be blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenlies? Very few, most believers do not understand what this means. But when you understand what this means, you will never put up with Satan messing with you again. You'll refuse to take any less than what God's provided. You are to walk like Jesus walked on this earth. I am too. That's what the word says. The works that Jesus did, that's what we're to do. Was he ever afraid? No. Are you ever to be afraid? No. Did he ever walk by sight? No. Are you ever to walk by sight? Nope. Did he ever get out of the love walk? Never. Are you ever? Nope. Did he ever consider himself? No. He always considered others. It's the way we're to live. Was he ever not free? No. He was even free when they let him bound. He let them bind him to, to go to the cross. He said, man, I could call legions of angels right now. Right? It says here, the, or the blessing of Abraham and the promise of the Spirit through faith, you could put this in your notes, equals all the spiritual blessings spoken of in Ephesians 1.3. That's part of what it's talking about. That's a part. Okay? Not either or. The Jews were given temporal blessings in the Old Testament. Their inheritance was the land of Canaan. It was a physical land. They went across the Jordan. There were 10 cities that were conquered, 28 battles, and then they were given this land. God said, the battle's mine, the victory's yours. I've already given you this land. Now you go in and possess it. It was a physical blessing. We have been given spiritual blessings. We now have, right now, spiritual blessings and temporal blessings. You have to know this. Not just spiritual in the spirit realm, but also temporal blessings. Okay? Spiritual blessings enforce temporal blessings. Okay? Every and temporal blessings, these are blessings. This is money in your account. This is health in your body. All this stuff. The spiritual blessings enforce that. Okay? If you don't understand the heavenly places in Christ, you won't be able to understand spiritual blessings. So in other words, the literal meaning of Ephesians 1.3 is 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the spirit realm in Christ. Okay? If you study the word of God in Ephesians, it tells us that we are positionally seated at God's right hand in Christ. So we have positional truth and temporal truth in the word of God. Positionally, right now, I am seated at the right hand of God in Christ. Temporally, I'm standing here before you at Faith Family Church. This is one reason the church has substituted God's promises of temporal and material blessings as identified through the blessing of Abraham in the Old Covenant for the spiritual blessings in Christ. We've substituted it. Okay, we don't want to substitute it. Now right now all of you are going, okay, you're saying a lot of stuff, I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't worry about it, the Holy Spirit will teach you. See, people think there was an exchange made. But the Bible doesn't say that we have a different or subsequent covenant. Okay? This is what it says, and we have to rightly divide this. Even saying that, some people are going, wait a minute, just bear with me. Notice there's no stones, so you can't throw any stone, right? <laughs> Hebrews 8.6 says we have a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So let me put your mind at ease. There is only one covenant. Okay? We have a better covenant. The fulfilling of the old covenant, which was God's covenant with the Jews through the finished work of Jesus, is the completion of the one covenant that God made with Abraham. Okay? That one was fulfilled. God does not have one covenant with the Jews and another covenant with the church. God's people in the old covenant who were they? They were the physical descendants of Abraham. Once Jesus came, though, what happened? See, this is why I said humanity changed forever. Once Jesus came, it became a spiritual family instead of a natural family. Jesus fulfilled that covenant and made it better. Better means this. All the material blessings that were there in that other covenant all of them, along with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. Okay? So let's go. Literally, all the material, I'll say it this way, let me say it correctly. All the material blessings plus being made a new creature in Christ. I'm, I'm a spirit, alive. I've been made in the image of my Father. There is no spiritual death in me, in my spirit. I am a child of God. 
I have the faith of God. I walk in the love of God. Now, I could mask that if I decide to live out of my flesh because I still have that old nature in my flesh. But I, I get all the material blessings. This is why you could look at the blessing of Abraham. This is why it says the blessing of Abraham. That's great. We get that along with all the spiritual blessings. The spiritual blessings are in the spirit realm. In other words, what I'm saying to you today is you and I are in a new position. you got to see you're in a new position. Now we have added the spiritual position. So Abraham had a covenant partner, didn't he? Yeah. Who cut covenant with him? His covenant partner was a spirit being. Abraham did not have a spiritual position. Okay? Now, we have authority, and I'm reading this because this is the way the Lord gave this to me. I don't want to mess it up. Now, we have authority to operate with God's help under God's umbrella of blessings and authority so that we can carry out his will in the earth. Okay, so now we're going to start making this make sense. Abraham was totally dependent upon God doing everything. God would bless the work of his hands. Now, we have a spiritual position in Christ to use God's authority, to use God's power, and God's blessing that are in the name of Jesus to carry out God's plan and purpose in the earth in a much greater way. We have it. This, it all changed now. So if you want to see an Old Testament type, and you'll read over this, it makes no sense unless you understand this. If you look at Moses, he is literally a type, a picture an example, a pattern of what a New Testament believer is. Moses spoke to God, it says, face to face. Why would it say that? He's a type. You and I, notice, and I'm so thankful for this, you don't have to come to me to confess your sins and, you know, hey, pastor, can you pray for me uh, because, you know, I really need to be healed. Well, I can, but you can you don't have to go through anybody. Moses understood things about God that nobody else could understand. So let me read something to you. So, so this is Exodus 14. I'm going to read four verses. Okay, In Exodus 14, we have this glorious time, man. They eat the Passover lamb. They go out of Egypt. They, they, they go out with the great spoil of Egypt. There's not one sick person among them. And here they are, they're rejoicing. We are free. And all of a sudden, they come up to the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, good feeling gone. The, most, the mightiest army, Pharaoh's ticked. He's like, you know what? I'm done with these people. We're going to go wipe them all out. So here they are. They're standing there. Moses, their leader, right? And here's the Red Sea which they can't cross, right? And here's the Egyptian army that's coming, and they're not coming to talk to them, right? Swords are sharpened, right? 
So this, this happens. Moses goes to the Lord and goes, God, do something. If you read the whole story. What does God say to him? It's, it's crazy what God says to him. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Moses, Why do you cry to me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, that, that's great, except Red Sea. Right? Verse 16, He says, But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea. Remember, God gave Moses this rod. You know what this rod is a type of? The name of Jesus. So in other words, the type, the pattern, the example is, God's saying, don't cry to me. Don't beg me. Take the name of Jesus and go forward. But lift up the rod and stretch out. Boy, that was worth coming to church today. And stretch your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go out, go, shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now jump down to verse 21. And Moses, now, that, now we're going to see how this works. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left hand. Biggest aquarium they've ever seen, right? He's saying, don't cry to me. You don't have to ask me. Carry out my will in my name. It did not happen when God moved this story. It happened when Moses moved. And here is the problem. People will sit in church and they will look at me. And they will sit there and say, I'm upset and I'm hurt and, I'm, and, I, and my, my life is not changing and I'm mad about it and I'm bitter about it. And you know what? Pastor, I, I keep coming here, but I'm, I'm you know, and, and you see it. It's like a Teflon coating around them. Nothing's happening. Person next to them, they're just like, yeah, I'm willing. I have no idea what to do, but, man, I'll do it. Right? I mean, you could imagine Moses. He's like, okay. God's always come through. So, yeah. Takes the rod and does it. And when Moses moved, then God moved. When you move, God will move. Whatever's in your life is of no effect. Sickness and disease, poverty, lack, depression, anxiety, fear. Oh, it feels real and we're not discounting that. And my heart goes out to people that, that deal with that. I deal with it. We all deal with it. But the reality of it is... If you whine and cry and don't stand up and do what God said, you're a New Testament believer. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, so use it. And when you use the name of Jesus, 
God will back that up. Whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loose. So the Christmas message is Jesus is here. He gave us the gift. So be free. You be free. You have a sound mind. You have no fear. You walk this out and God it gets excited about that. The place of all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. What is that place? It is a place of authority. And you and I have been given authority. Now the mature believer won't pray for God to do things for him. He knows it's already done. We live on the earth but have a place of spiritual authority. The same place that Jesus had. Right? Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Once you know God's will, it is simply a matter of acting on your authority in the name of Jesus and carry out his will. So what is God talking to you about in 2020? Because you, all things are possible to you if you'll simply believe it. Man, I'm telling you, God has new body parts. He has wealth. He has all this stuff, and he needs you to walk in it, but he can't make you. you he gave you the name of Jesus. you got to use it. The problem is, if you keep your eyes on yourself... You, you toil and you strive and you got so much inner turmoil in yourself that you start causing problems with everybody around you and all of a sudden you'll blink like 2019. Did you notice? 2019, where did it go? I mean, seriously, don't let 2020 do that. But don't sit here and think you're going to do the same thing you did in 2019 and get different results. Yeah, but you know, I just, I just don't go to church Wednesday night. Okay. But what if the Holy Spirit's telling you to go? Well, I just, you know, I, I'm, too I, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm too busy to ever get involved in a church. Go to a Bible study. Okay. So are we going to go another year of you just figuring it out? Knock yourself out. I remember when God said, Tony, ministry's so hard when you're working and I'm not working trying to be good enough, trying to figure it out. Oh, if I could just, I mean, whatever it is, if I could just make more money, if I could just have a nicer car, if I could just have a better house, if I'm single, if I could just be married, if I'm married, if I could just be single. No, I'm just teasing, <laughs> right? Isn't that the way it is, though? I've had people sit in my office and beg me, please tell me that I could divorce that man. So what do we do? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is your coach. He's your mentor. He's the one, he'll lead you and guide you. But you got to make a decision. I'm going to get over myself and stop being my own God. And I'm going to submit to his lordship. I'm going to realize that what he said is true. And I am going to take all all the blinders off my life and submit to him and say simply, what would you have me do? And then I'm going to do it. That's good, 
If I'm not tithing, I'm going to tithe. If I'm not honoring God in my finances, I'm going to honor him in my finances. If I'm walking in unforgiveness, I'm going to let go of that. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to work on it. Your name is not Uncle Buck, right? Did you ever see that ridiculous movie? (laughs) Remember when he's talking? He's talking to his sister-in-law. Oh, yeah, I stopped smoking. I'm on to cigars, and then I'm going to go to tobacco, (laughs) chewing tobacco, and I'll eventually... No, 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 we don't work on it. Because it'll kill you. These things will kill you. Staying in the same place and not dominating your life is not healthy for you. We live in a realm where we take the name of Jesus and we don't... See, the Bible says if you ask anything according to his will. You know that word ask doesn't mean beg. It doesn't mean, oh God, would you do this for me? It doesn't mean that. It means if you will call for, if you will require, if you'll make a demand for it in my name, I'll do it. In other words, if you use my name, if you use my rod, I'll do it. So Father, I require healing in my body. Right now, I just believe that I receive it. Your word says this. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that I'm healed. Satan, get out of my body. Take your hands off my body. Symptoms, you got to change. I am not moving. Well, why didn't it happen yet? I don't ask that question. It already happened. I have it. The Bible says I believe I receive and I'll have. If you want to talk about how long or how that works out, go talk to God, which, by the way, I'm sure you don't want to, right? You still have a lump on your head for talking to him. God planned in advance all that you were born to be. Man, there's so much more I could say. But I think we've had a Christmas message. I'm telling you guys, I am so excited because the anointing of God is strong enough to lift every burden and destroy every yoke in your life. Just because things were a certain way in 2019, don't let them be that way in 2020 because all of heaven is saying it doesn't have to be that way. God is faithful. God loves you.